scores! Gilmore scores! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Al Aguila. Three rebound, another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! Now on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. All right, happy Wednesday. Let's get things going this hour on Flames Talk from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's Steinberg and Aaron Vickers of NHL.com on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, for um, for one game together, I gotta say, Jonathan Huberdeau and Andre Kuzmenko. They, they look good. Chef's kiss. Their first 12 minutes and 33 seconds of ice time together, including just over 10 minutes of ice time together at five on five. So a very limited sample size. But in that limited sample size, they definitely created. They, uh, they looked dangerous on the offensive side of things. Kuzmenko scores his first at the 420 mark of his debut. Nice one on the power play. Good for him. You could see how much it meant to him. Good celebration. That that looked like it, it was even a little bit of a monkey off the back for him. But the encouraging part for me was how and who, he and Huberdeau played together. And, and maybe the most encouraging thing was what we saw from Huberdeau and maybe what it brought out in number 10 against the Boston Bruins on Tuesday night. Uh, 4-1 ends up being your final score, and Jonathan factored in on 75% of Calgary's goals. Three out of the four, like not bad, eh? Um, That was just his second three-point game as a member of the Flames. The only other one came against San Jose back in December of last year, December of last season, rather. That is so easy to believe and so difficult to believe at right? the exact same like time. Like when you factor in the, how difficult it's been, it's like, yeah, that's not hard to believe. But when you factor in Jonathan Huberdeau's career and how many four and five point games he's had in this league, you're like, oh, geez, it's only his second three point game as a member of the Flames. Could have had more. He could have had two or three others. He was that dangerous. And I just thought that that was the biggest takeaway from me was how and and I don't know if Kuzmenko was related or not related to it, but it was the overall way that Jonathan popped and the way Huberdo looked dangerous and dynamic. And you know what? Somebody on the text line on Tuesday's postgame show used the term creative. And that's the first time I can remember mm. using the word creative when talking about Huberdo as a member of the Calgary Flames. And he, and he looked that way against Boston on Tuesday night. So for me, that was my biggest takeaway. And the most encouraging thing about that game was what a new line, what coming out of the All-Star break, whatever the case may be, a new line mate. It just, there, there seemed to be something lit under the seat of... Jonathan Huberdeau against the Bruins. And that, to me, is something that I would be very encouraged by if it continued. Yeah, for me, the word I was going to use is that line, and particularly Jonathan Huberdeau and how he was creating. But that trio had some juice against the Boston Bruins on Tuesday. And you just scroll through some of the stats, whether it be on a box score on NHL.com or Money Puck or Natural Stat Trick, and it tells a very similar story. Huberdeau with three shots, Kuzmenko with two, Sharon Govich with two. You mentioned the three-point night for... Uh, Jonathan Huberto, Kuzmenko scoring 420 in his debut. 
Sharon Govich as a whole, I thought was good. And that trio had a 100% expected goals for percentage. 100. Like yeah. they were, they were for as much as we were tossing around on Tuesday, well, you got to pepper them with offensive zone starts, which, which did happen. Did. And well, there's still another line on the other side that's probably going to contain Pasternak more often than not, or Marshawn trying to drive the play 180 feet the other direction really didn't give the opposition much of an opportunity to do that. So hats off to the trio of Huberto Kuzmenko and Sharon Govich for a very positive debut. Now I will be the slight Debbie Downer because the sample size isn't great. As you mentioned, we're only talking about 12 minutes here, but a positive 12 minutes. Like you, I don't know if you could have necessarily scripted a better 12 minutes from a Calgary Flames perspective on how you wanted that to go for that, those three players in their first game together. Uh, this was uh, Jonathan Huberto on our post-game show Tuesday night, and, and I asked him about playing with Kuzmenko and, and gave a pretty rave review on him. He's a special player. He can see a lot of skills. Uh, he can shoot the probably really good shot, and he makes some plays. I think, uh, you know, we, we talk a little bit. we got to make some plays. Our line playing in the offensive zone, and I think Sharky has a, you know, he hasn't played center in a while, and you know that was a really good game. If we were responsible defensively, and I think we're going to be, we can be a special line if, if we do that every day. I think that there were some really, really promising glimpses offensively, and also glimpses of why I think there will be times when maybe that line could be an adventure defensively. Uh, but I'm and 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 I think there are going to be times where maybe it is, especially early on when they're still getting acclimated to one another. But from what I saw in one game, and and please let me mm, late preface everything with I am well aware it's one game, and I don't need to take that role and just no just drill no no away. and 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 I'm the one. Had they been awful, had had Kuzmenko looked like he'd never played the sport before, and Huberto looked pedestrian, I would have been saying the same thing. It's one game. Mm-hmm. Let's not make any judgments. And, and and the same is true here. It's one game. They look good in that one game against a, a good Boston Bruins team that looked like they were asleep. And and so. I, I am going to be very, very careful in saying how encouraged I was, but anytime you can be encouraged about a line that Huberto's playing on with how it's gone for his first season and a half as a member of the Flames, I think you're gonna take it as a Flames fan. And and that's that's what's got me super intrigued here going forward because watching Kuzmenko play, um, he was dangerous, he was dynamic. He made a couple of soft plays that a lot of guys who are more offensively oriented sometimes make. A couple of, you know, you're like, you got to get that puck deep, and it was kind of just feathered in. You're like, nope, that's not going to go over well <laughs> with the coaching staff. And a couple of, you know, a couple of plays away from the puck, you're like, no, that's that's not typically how, you know, an NHLer is going to take an angle to a puck or is going to forecheck or stick check in the neutral zone. There were a few of those moments, absolutely. And that's part of the work in progress that is the player. But it was far outweighed for me by the amount of times he he was creative and tried things on the rush in the offensive zone, uh, the way that he was open for Huberto passes or the way that he opened things up to find his line mates and how around the net he was. So I thought he was dynamic. I thought he was very, very dangerous on the rush. 
And that, to me, is the thing that intrigues me most. So here is my, here is my overarching question that we can dive into. Uh, 960, 960 on the text line if uh, you want to jump in on this conversation as well. Because remember, Monday, you, me, Wes, we're talking about the potential of maybe flipping a guy mm-hmm. like Kuzmenko at the trade deadline or flipping him in the offseason. If he pops here and the Flames are going in a certain direction where they're looking to get younger and all of a sudden you've got teams lining up to give you picks or prospects and say, hey, we really like what you've done with Kuzmenko. We think there's a fit here for him. We're willing to give you asset A or asset B. You know, the Flames probably have to think about that. But let me counter it with this. What if Kuzmenko is the guy? And knowing that it's only one game, but what if he is the guy that finally unlocks Jonathan Huberdo and is the guy that finally gets Jonathan Huberdo to be closer to the player that Flames fans were so excited about when they acquired him in July of 2022. A guy who is dangerous. A guy who is an elite playmaker with elite vision and elite pinpoint passing. What if all of a sudden it didn't work with Lindholm? It didn't work with Toffoli? You know, everybody's been talking about go get Declare from the Sharks or how do they get Sam Bennett back because those guys were his most frequent line mates during the 115-point season. But I go back to that uh, that scouting article that was written on him at Sportsnet.ca yes. talking about how important it is for him to have strong rush players with him and seeing how dangerous and dynamic Kuzmenko was on the rush on Tuesday night and then seeing what we saw from Huberdo. I just asked the question, what if what if this is the guy that finally unlocks him? And if that's the case... Don't you have to think about him being a longer-term member of the Flames? Like, if you finally, you've been searching for 18 months for a guy to work with Jonathan Huberdeau, can you flip him if all of a sudden you found him? And I know it's early to ask that question, but that was definitely going through my mind on Tuesday night. I'm going to take a really long route to answering that question, but when I saw that Kuzmenko goal, I immediately thought of that article on Sportsnet by Vanessa Keswer about what what Jonathan Huberto needs in his line mates and his defense yeah. jumping into the play to fill lanes to drive to the net and that to, that goal to me immediately kind of reminded me back of that article like you mentioned this is going to be a massive oversimplification but whenever you're put on a new line and the, the talk and the buzz and you know chemistry is the big buzzword it's either instant it either needs to be built over time or it's just never going to happen and you kind of mentioned with Elias Lindholm, I think it was better near the t- tail end of Lindholm's tenure, but it never really felt like they built chemistry. They never really and they popped, never And they never it? had it instantly, that's yeah. for sure. So even going back to, there was a power play in the third period, I believe it was, where it was about 30 or 45 seconds of that top unit just absolutely whipping the puck around like it was a drill, like the Boston defenders didn't exist. I don't know if you caught that or if it stood out to you, but for me, it was like, oh, that's what the power play is supposed to be. And that showed to me just as much as the the goal or just the general interactions between Kuzmenko and Huberdo that there is some instant chemistry here. Now, again, it's one game. It's all excitement. It's, it's first day jitters, if you will, of them being together. And so you have to su- sustain what we saw but the early returns are great. So to come back to your question of what would you do if this is a fit that turns out unlocks Huberto? And it's an interesting question because you've been searching for a year and a half now, you being the royal you. 
not specifically Pat well, Steinberg. I, I also have been searching. But you've been looking for somebody that can finally unlock your $10.5 million guy who should be a point-per-game player, had an NHL career-high 115 points the season prior to arriving, set an NHL record for assists by a left winger in doing so. I still look at flipping Kuzmenko, whether it's before this deadline, depending on how the run goes. He needs to be super productive over the course of the next 12 games in order to establish the value that a team might be looking for, or whether it's next deadline to expand on that Lindholm return. He's a pending unrestricted free agent after next season, and there's no guarantee, perhaps, that Kuzmenko is a long-term player for the Calgary Flames. I mean, remember, he had to be convinced to come to Calgary and he was definitely convinced, otherwise he wouldn't have waived his no trade to join the Calgary Flames. But I wonder if he's a long-term fit, both from an organizational perspective and from a player perspective. So that's why I would still explore what he might be worth. I, I just, if you finally have a guy that works, it's just tough. It's just tough for me. Oh to, yeah, I get it. And again, I know that it's early on, you know, but I, they did look good together they looked really against good. the Bruins. What? And that's why I that's why it came to mind because it finally feels like that that maybe they found a little bit of chemistry with with it because nobody is instantly popped with Jonathan Huberdeau like that since joining the Flames have they? Nobody comes to mind. And you mentioned you going back, you go not with Lindholm, not with Defolia. I would probably suggest not with Kadri, not with Backlund and Coleman. So it is a positive early return. I'm not willing to call it the best debut of a Calgary Flames player in franchise history, but there were some really good things that we saw that make you intrigued and rightfully so having the conversation of, has he unlocked Huberto? Can Huberto unlock Kuzmenko? Because let's be honest, that was only Kuzmenko's ninth goal of the season after scoring 39 a year ago. So Kuzmenko needs some unlocking as well. But again, as you mentioned, it's early. We can't declare anything just yet after 12 minutes of on-ice time together, but the early returns are good, and it does make you wonder, is this the guy to unlock Jonathan Huberdeau, the $10.5 million guy, because the vibes were there between the two of them on Tuesday night. They, they certainly will, uh, just as we're talking, and we will uh, double back on this in, uh, in a few minutes, but just as we're talking... Uh, the Flames have announced that they've signed Martin Pospisil to a two-year contract extension on a $1 million AAV. Uh, so that uh, just came down as we were having the conversation. We'll dive into that in a few minutes here. But uh, Martin Pospisil signed a two-year contract extension this hour uh, at $1 million on the AAV, which is uh, a nice little story coming off of uh, his return to action, brief as it may have been, against the Boston Bruins. But yeah. I just, I, it would be tough if all of a sudden you see 10 or 12 games of these two guys looking really good together, um, knowing how, just knowing how difficult it's been to find a fit for Huberto since he's been here to then go ahead and flip that player that you finally have chemistry with because Jonathan's not going anywhere. He's $10.5 million for seven more seasons after this one. That can't be forgotten regardless of if you're rebuilding, retooling, or um, retiling. You have to make sure you have to make sure that Some Jonathan Huberdeau is going on at your house right now. Actually, yes. Uh, that $10.5 million of Jonathan Huberdeau in your cap is, is taken into account. I, I don't think you're wrong at all. But the other element to this is if all of a sudden they do have chemistry, 
And I know there's a certain segment of Flames fans that probably don't want to go down this road, but if you suddenly get Jonathan Huberto closer to back to where he was, Kuzmenko, by extension, will be back to where he was last season. That certainly helps the Calgary Flames in their desire or push or whatever you want to call it to chase down one of those wildcard spots as well. So that could further hinder your excitement in terms of trying to flip him this season should things go the right way. Because I can see the scenario where Kuzmenko, this is, might be a little bit of a stretch, so I'm going to hesitate a little bit on it. But if Kuzmenko gets back to that 39-goal pace and Jonathan Huberto gets back to more of a point-per-game player, the sum of those improvements, to me, are more important to the team than what you've lost with Elias Lindholm. As I, uh, as I said to somebody with the, with the Flames on Tuesday night uh, after the game, I was just texting and um, I said, Man, forget the four assets. If Kuzmenko's yep. the guy that unlocks Huberdeau, that's a win in and of itself with no disrespect to Elias Lindholm. And and I, I don't even think that that's that much of a stretch okay. because Huberdeau is... Huberdeau has been looking, and, and there's still a large risk of this being the case that it's looking like a really, really tough $10.5 million on your cap if things don't turn around. And I'm not suggesting that Jonathan's going to be a three-point-per-game player from now until the end of You're the season. You're not? I just, can you get him closer to being a 75 or 80-point player than a 45 or 40-point player, you know? So, yeah, that's uh, that That to me is is one of the big questions I wanted to ask. Let's read some of the text at 960-960. Um, this from Ray in Calgary. I like this. Uh, lot, lots of analogies and metaphors, so I like this one. Uh, I think Sharon Govich unlocked Huberdo as they were meshing fairly well. Tuesday night, it looked like Kuzmenko opened the door for him. Uh, I initially thought Kuzmenko was having a lost season, much like Huberdo was, but one game in, there's some hope that this may work. And again, one game in, may work that's all these are all really important qualifiers that we know it's only one game and and if it is awful on Thursday in New Jersey well then we're probably having some slightly different conversations I just right? want to highlight that text because May was all in capitals which I think is very important but at the same time it was the fifth fastest goal in a Flames debut in franchise history so you have that going for you on the flip side to caution it's just one game Nick Ritchie was the fourth fastest but the entire body of work, I think we can agree on Kuzmenko. It wasn't just the fact that he scored in his debut. It was the 12 minutes you got of him and what you got out of Huberto and what you got out of Sharon Govich as a trio there. Uh, what's the way too early nickname for the uh, Kuzmenko line? That's from Derek and Red Deer. I'm not creative enough to come up with those things, so I'll let the text line do that. I'm not um, I oh, I saw nowhere him. near creative enough for that type of I stuff. I saw a good one on the text line on Tuesday, and it blended all three names. So it was like this long. But it just flowed naturally. Look, and if you're not going to have the answer, I don't, don't have the answer without now, scrolling. I'm just hoping they text it in again so we do get it. Get out. Okay, bye. Um, I texted the boys' group chat yesterday saying the chemistry between Huberto and Kuzmenko was wild. Good vibes for sure. Flames are back, baby. Again, even as positive as we're being, I will say one game. Um, this says Kuzerdo. I don't mind that, but you got to have Sharon Govich in there. No, so. the one I was thinking of had. Now, oh. what about. Yeah, we'll have to work on that. Yeah. Let me keep reading text. Um, this from Matt in Cochran. Uh, Conroy will have all summer to talk contract extension. If one doesn't look likely, then flip Kuzmenko for more younger assets. Uh, what about this one? Charcuser, Shark, Charcuse Shark, Shark, No. 
that was the one I was referencing. Shark Usberdo. Doesn't really roll off the tongue in hindsight, does it? Yeah. I do like how they've placed all three names together, though. I will it's give creative, yeah. but doesn't roll off. Works better in print than it does. Ooh. How about this one? My buddy Jay just texted this into my personal phone. What about Kovic? I, I'm, I'm dead I'm, silence. I'm, You're I'm, not. I'm not. I'm not buying on that. The one. blank look that you gave. I'm. I'm Jay, still. That tells I'm, you all I'm, you need to know. About I'm more in favor thing. of Shark than than that one. Not, and we can agree to disagree. That's the beauty of I having don't really differing have opinions. A strong opinion on either of these, to be honest with you. So I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. Um, Dave from Airdrie says, if Kuz does work out like we saw last night, Conroy will look like a genius. Thought Huberto looked like a different player. Um, this says if the two of them start working together and clicking, uh, it's crazy to flip them work, um, work on an extension instead of trading them. Talking about Kuzmenko. Um, this says, uh, what's up, Pat? The Flames needed a skilled Russian. It's been a long time since they had a Makarov. That's from Todd in the 403. Um, this says, um, oh, and then this one says, would it not be fun if the Flames were to play Vancouver? Get a wild card spot oh. and play Vancouver in round one. That would be fun, at least from a storyline standpoint. It would definitely be fun. I yeah. would agree with that. It certainly fill some time on air talking about the uh, intricacies of that series between the sheer volume of players that are on each side that used to be on the other team. Uh, okay, let's pivot because we do have some pivot. We do have some flames. Thank news you on this uh, on this Wednesday. As timing is fascinating because on Tuesday night, Martin Pospisil returns to the Flames lineup after missing four games. Uh, gets promptly ejected in the first period for a cross check, I guess, on uh, Brad Marchand. Now. I didn't really have a problem with it being a major. I, I did think Marshan flopped a little earlier than he needed to, or or maybe sold it a little bit more. But you take a look at it. It was a punch or a side of the glove. I mean, or, he was still busted open. It, 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 it did cut him. Like, I didn't have, I, I did not think there was going to be any supplemental discipline. I did not wake up wondering if there was going to be a Department of Player Safety tweet because I thought the five and the game covered mm -hmm. it. I didn't have a problem with them giving him five in a game, but anything more than that would have been excessive. Um, and Marshand returned, in fact, was able to draw another four minutes when he was cut open again by Mackenzie Wieger's stick. I actually thought that Wieger's, Wieger's penalty, the double minor, was maybe a little more borderline because of how low uh, Marshand was when he took the high Well, the stick. other thing for me, too, is I'm like, is that a new wound that's the four minute yeah, or did he did just he reopen an old one? Like, one. And, and where's the line on that? If I, if you were bleeding an hour ago and it reopens on a high stick, blood is blood, I guess. I don't know. But I was kind of wondering if that was an previous infraction bleeding that led to the four minutes. Uh, but uh, on Martin Pospisil, he signs a two-year contract extension at $1 million on the AAV. So be a slight increase on the cap coming out of this year. And the timing's funny, but... The 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 rationale makes sense. Martin Pospisil has been a, a pretty close to a revelation this year for the Flames. Uh, he when when they decided to call him up, I got to be honest with you. I was like, okay, let's see. But I I didn't have high hopes. I know that the Flames, and I know specifically even Craig Conroy, have been big fans of his for mm -hmm. years, and they've said. We still think there's something there with Pospisil, but with the injuries and with the stunted, um, with the stunted playing time because of the injuries, he'd be gone for a good chunk of time. Come back, 
and then be gone again. You know, and, and, and even in training camp, I was like, it's fine. I didn't th- think anything popped. I give, I give the young man a ton of credit. He not only has jumped in and been an everyday NHL player and been able to show a little offensive pop and all those types of things, but the way that he has added something to the group that I can't remember. I mean, I guess Matthew Kachuk brought it to the team. Certainly since Matthew's been gone, they have not had this. Um, but it's different because Matthew Kachuk was a high-skill, high-end, soon-to-be triple-digit player with the Flames or or did hit triple digits in his last year with Calgary. That's not what Pospisil is. Like, Martin Pospisil's got that that grease factor. He's got that uh, smarm factor. He he reminds me a lot of, and I've said this before, he reminds me a lot of, of Vili Niemann from that, from that cup run, what, however long ago. 20, 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm like, that Goodness math is easy, gracious. Pat. You should have been on that one. I was trying to think what year it was right now. Fair that enough. Fair enough. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Was. But, like, that's what Pospisil reminds me of, in that he's got some skill. He can be an effective player away from the greasy side of it. But when he needs to be greasy... He can do it. He can throw players off their game. And, okay, he got ejected against Boston. If they didn't do that, if they just gave him two for high-sticking or cross-checking or whatever they wanted to call it, roughing, they could have called him all kinds of different things on that. Well, he would have been, he would have had Boston players chasing him around all night. And he's had that before. We have seen multiple teams lose composure and lose focus because they're so pissed off about this quote-unquote no-name player who's taking runs at guys that he shouldn't be taking runs at in the unwritten rules of hockey. And I say, good, those are the things you want to see. It gives you an element to the team they really haven't had before. So I, I'm all for the extension. Um I think it's a nice. I think it's a nice AAV. It's not a massive. Um, it's not a massive jump in terms of what you're going to get on his AAV. And I think he's been a really. Uh, I think he's been a really nice story this year, and certainly one that I did not see coming. I, I give him a lot of credit, and I'll be the first to say I. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't pounding the table on this one. That's for sure. There are 31 teams and 31 fan bases that either hate him or will grow to hate him and one that's going to love him. And this is what's got him drafted. In his draft year, he had 37 points in 49 games in Sioux City of the USHL, 253 penalty minutes. Went back the next year, which is kind of uncharacteristic. Usually if you're getting drafted out of the USHL, it means you have kind of a college path going ahead. But he came back and put up 63 points in 44 games and still cracked three digits on the penalty marker. So he's this is his calling card. His ability to get under the skin of the opponent, play a little bit physical, but he still had to be skilled too. You don't get to the NHL without displaying at least a little bit of skill. And it was interesting watching his first about 10 games to a dozen games in the NHL. And I was kind of sitting here waiting for him to unlock it a little bit. He wasn't really as agitating as I remembered from his draft year. I remembered when he was with Stockton and he had a long road to the NHL with a lot of significant injuries, so good on him. This provides him a little bit of uh, stability in his future as well because he's had to fight to get to this point. But now that he's completely unlocked that uh, I want to punch you in the face talent from the opposing view, uh, this is uh, this is a tidy bit of work for Craig Conroy because, I, again, like you, I like the AAV. I like the term with the two years because it, it while it offers some stability and some guarantee it doesn't guarantee everything and possible is a guy that for me you can slot up and down the lineup a little bit he's fast he's got hands he's creative enough but he's physical 
and he's an agitator, like you said. I, I like the signing for the Calgary Flames. And he also uh, will expire as an RFA, so you retain yes. team control at the end of this. Uh, he does not have, so he'll be 26 at the conclusion and of the contract. And this is first year of service. Yeah, it's 7 or 27 is the um, is the, the UFA. So 27 years old or 7 years of told NHL years, which I think is, what is it? 30-something games or 41 games, 40 games, I think it is. Whatever it is, there's a certain number of games on the roster that if you hit that, if Pike's listening, he'd know. Uh, but you hit a certain number of, of games on an NHL roster and you toll one year to being UFA. That's why Noah Hannafin's going to hit UFA. Um, well, I guess he's hitting it at around the same time. But you, you, you hit it at either 27 years old or you hit it um, at uh, at seven years of service. And so this will retain with Pospisil being a restricted free agent, which I also think is an important part of it. It's not like they're walking him to UFA either. They'll retain team control when this contract comes to an end. So all around, I think it's solid. Just so you know, 40 games for a skater, 30 games for a goalie. Thank you. See, I was right. I, yep. Pike, would you be proud of me? I was right. 40 games on the road. Never in doubt, buddy. Woo! Never in doubt. Um, And I, I, last thing I'll say is, it is. It, it takes a lot of chutzpah to be able to do what Pospisil mm-hmm. is doing because there is that unwritten rule, which I think is silly, but there is that unwritten rule that you need to... You need to go in and dip your toe in the water when it comes to throwing your body around. You need to go in and you have to be rever- uh, referential, referential, reverential to um, certain players. Like you have to, right, you can't, you can't finish your check on that guy for the regular season. That guy's better player than you. You can't, he has 600 NHL games. You can't finish your check on him. Pospisil is smart enough to know that if he doesn't hit that player, he might not be around for well, long. Well, you can bet Craig Conroy's message to him when he inserted him into the lineup and, and brought him up from the Wranglers was, we need you to be greasy. We need you to do the same things that you did in the American League where you had guys chasing you around and in the USHL when you had guys chasing you around. We need this to be part of what you bring to the NHL because we're missing that element to our team. And good on him. He's been able to do it. He's very similar to Connor Zeri in that neither of them have dipped their toe into the water just differently in terms of how they've done it. Zeri, <laughs> who had a great finish uh, in that uh, in that game against Boston, he's jumped right in and given them a spark and a shot in the arm offensively and given them something offensively that they didn't have prior. And Pospisil, his offense isn't the same high end as Zeri's, but he's jumped in and he has given them a shot in the arm because of something they didn't have prior. Good you, on him. You made me laugh with that because I'm just sitting here thinking, yeah, their areas of expertise are a little bit different in terms of what the Calgary Flames want to see out of them. Yeah. Exactly. And Elias Lindholm had two goals <laughs> against against Carolina. I'm very well aware that Lindholm also scored twice. Nobody's saying the Flames have won the trade. I'm just saying... Kuzmenko looked good. Lindholm looked good. Both teams won. We said it was a win-win so far. One game in for both. It's a win-win. It's Pat and Vickers from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, it is a 
Wednesday on Flames Talk, and it's time for your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. They're open on Family Day. Do something with the family and something you want to do and find exceptional savings just minutes from the Calgary Airport. Pat Steinberg, Aaron Vickers of NHL.com, and the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. Well, uh, gentlemen, I, I, um, I think we all agree that Calgary's fourth line was really strong Tuesday night in Boston. Um, played a, a really strong role in a 4-1 win over the Bruins. Guys, if that continues, and, and whatever the fourth line looks like, but for now, let's just uh, talk about Pelche with Rooney and Dewar. If they can continue getting really solid fourth line contributions like what they got on Tuesday night, what type of impact could that have on this Flames team? Well, it would be huge because this is a team that is built to win using four lines and three pairings and two or three goaltenders. And for most of the season, they simply haven't been able to use their fourth line regularly in games. And there have been too many games where the fourth line has played on average five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. It would be great if they could get 9, 10, 11 minutes from their fourth line and maybe even more on a night where the Flames were out in front and able to protect a lead instead of trying to chase games. So last night's fourth line, and again, small sample size, one game, but it was a game against a really good Bruins team that won the President's Trophy last season, that went into last night's game, tied for first overall this season, and has been almost unbeatable at TD Garden in Boston the last couple of seasons. So I think you have to factor that in as well. But, you know, they were very good. And I think we've talked a little bit about this, but I think in hindsight, the biggest issue for the fourth line this season, I think you could argue, has been they haven't got enough from the centerman on that line. And they've tried different guys. They even tried Yegor Sharangovich there for a while. I don't think that was going to be a long-term fit, even if it worked really well. You want him playing in your top nine, not in your bottom line. But uh, they weren't getting enough from Adam Rzitska, which is why they waived him. Uh, they weren't getting enough from Dylan Dubé. And last night, they got what they needed from Kevin Rooney. And he's a veteran player who's got good size, plays with some edge, skates pretty well. And the fact that they used him on the penalty kill tells me that they trust him defensively. So that's the thing with the fourth line. You don't expect a lot of goals and points from them, but they also can't spend a lot of time defending. They can't spend a lot of time in their own zone. What you need from them and what they got from that combination of Kevin Rooney, Jacob Peltier, and Walker Dewar on Tuesday night against the Bruins was a line that played north-south hockey, that got in on the forecheck, that spent considerable time in the offensive zone, and that was reliable defensively. So... I think a really good night for that line, and we'll see if it continues. Small sample size, but again, on the road against a really good team, and that line played a role, and an important role, in the Flames' 4-1 win on Tuesday night. Yeah, absolutely agree, and Wilsey, what you laid out in terms of what they were able to accomplish against the Bruins is almost verbatim what Coach Ryan Huska would tell us when we ask, what do you need the identity of your fourth line to be? So kudos to that trio and I'm like you, I don't need them to put the puck in the net a lot. Offense would be a bonus for sure. But what they need to do is they need to disrupt. They need to get in on the forecheck. They need to make it hard on the opposition. And they need to be able to set the table for the other lines. And I think that's what they did as well. 
And to your point about them not defending too much, I absolutely agree. Uh, if you can get more minutes out of your fourth line, particularly on either defensive zone starts or against some tougher matchups, to me, it really opens up a lot of things for the top two lines of the Calgary Flames. You can debate that being the Sharon Govich line, the, the Kadri line with the backland line being more of a, a shutdown and a, a heavy defensive zone start line. But if you can use your fourth line in more defensive situations and they're able to move the puck north up the ice and start setting the table for some of the other lines, that really takes a lot of heavy lifting off the backland line and it really gives you the opportunity to, to pepper the Sharon Govich line, the Kadri line with offensive zone starts. So I know it's just one game. It's only our first look at that trio on the fourth line, but it yielded positive results from my perspective. Yeah, if you're gonna be a uh, if you're gonna be a team that talks about you know strength being depth, if you're gonna talk about being a team that needs to come at you in, in, with four lines and everybody's got to contribute, well, I, I I think there are plenty of reasons why the Flames are where they are and have been a relatively inconsistent average team this year. But if your M.O. and the way that you're going to have success is to be a four-line, three-pairing team and one of the four lines isn't very good on a regular basis, you're not going to be able to be the team you want to be on a consistent basis. And I know that the fourth line of the, th- of the four is the least important. I'm, I'm very well aware of that, but it's not irrelevant and completely unimportant. And it, it taxes elsewhere when you feel like you've got a trio that you can't play. And when you're constantly, how many times guys you're like, we're talking about four and five hands that we've seen Ryan Huska shorten the bench this year because he's felt he's had to, and he's had to go down to 10 forwards or he's had to go down to nine forwards. And so when you're doing that on a regular basis, because you don't trust most times that fourth line, it just, it really takes away from you maxing out your effectiveness and for this team to win consistently, they have to be consistently getting near that ceiling of effectiveness because they don't. How many times, Willsey, have you talked about them not having a guy that can take over a hockey game because they don't. And so if you're not getting your four lines all contributing or pulling in a positive direction, you're going to have nights where that's just too much for your top nine to handle. So that, that to me is the biggest thing is that it just takes away a lot of the stress of when you feel like you don't have a line that you can play. That's okay. If you've got an elite top line, that's okay. If you're the flames from two years ago and you've got that, that Gaudreau line that can go out there and, and blink their eyes and take over, right? Your fourth line's a whole lot less relevant then. But when you're built like the Flames have been this year and last year, that fourth line has got to contribute on a regular basis. Yeah. And by and contribute, I mean they, they have to be contribute in terms of their effectiveness, not not so much offensively. Yeah, and time on ice is one way to do that. Yeah. And as Aaron said, uh, and we've said this a thousand times, Pat, they have to set the table for the other three lines. And if goals and points come, great. If they don't, as long as they're setting the table and – playing physically and spending time in the offensive zone, then in my opinion, they're doing their job. But here's what's exciting about the three guys we saw playing on the fourth line on Tuesday night. You've got a reliable centerman in Kevin Rooney. We've seen that type of hockey from him for years in this league. You've got a dynamic left winger in Jacob Peltier, who probably won't spend much time on the fourth line, but he's there right now. And then you've got a guy in Walker Dewar who last season Looked like a guy who might push to play top nine minutes. He has not looked like that this season. But you know what? 
he kind of looked like that last night. Might be the best game that Walker Dewar has played in the 2023-2024 campaign. They got almost 10 minutes out of him, 9.54. And then you look at the ice time for Kevin Rooney and Jacob Pelche. And it is skewed because the Flames lost Martin Possible so 16 minutes into the hockey game. So they had to lean a little bit heavier on everybody else. But Jacob Pelche playing in his first NHL game of the season plays 13.06. Kevin Rooney playing in his first NHL game in over a year plays 12.34 and gets some important penalty kill time. And I think it's a huge bonus when teams can use players on their fourth line on special teams. And Pelche, I think, is a guy who, who the Flames are going to use in the power play. And Rooney, as we saw last night, is a guy who they can use in the penalty kill. So, yeah, that was a pretty impressive game from top to bottom, from start to finish for the Flames. And fourth line was an important part of uh, that 4-1 victory of the Bruins on Tuesday. And that's a good point, too, Wilsey, the, the PK aspect of it, because suddenly you're not using a top nine forward in that role which means they're not exerting energy in a penalty yep. kill situation. And even at five on five, even at even strength, if a fourth line can eat more ice time, that might mean your top players maybe play a minute or two fewer in the game overall, but they can be more impactful in those minutes. So I think it's a very positive sign that, again, the returns are very early on this, but if you can have a fourth line that's able to eat up double digits in minutes, that they're able to be on the penalty kill side of things, I think it frees up your top nine to be able to be a little bit more energetic and a little bit more dynamic on the offensive end. They just uh, and, and guys, yeah, small small sample size, right? So we're admitting that. But again, you're on the road against one of the top teams in the league, a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. And in the case of Rooney and Pelchier, it was their first NHL game of the season. Those two guys should only get better. So. Maybe the fourth line uh, is one that can contribute even more than we were hoping with uh, the three guys who are currently playing on it. Uh, let's uh, pick up from there. By the way, um, you, you mentioned Martin Pospisil being kicked out. They rewarded him with a two-year contract extension. Like You get kicked out of a game, you get a two-year contract extension. Congratulations. Bad call. Um, Good if contract. You, if you get kicked out of the press box, does that guarantee you two more years of service? Because I might give that a roll. Have you seen our industry? Probably not. Okay. Probably not. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to disappoint you. It's our uh, daily Flames roundtable with Derek, Aaron, Pat on this Wednesday. Um, and 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 Wilsey, you mentioned the four debuts, right? You mentioned that Pelche and Rooney were making their season debuts, and Kuzmenko and. Braden Pahal were making their Flames debuts. I just wonder, I, I you know, you, you see the Flames come out and they were shot out of a cannon and they skated right over the Bruins in that first period and, and, and basically continued that the rest of the night. And almost regardless of how Boston looked, I just, I, I wonder how much, and I'm curious what you guys think, I wonder how much those four debuts and the the energy and the excitement that goes into that for all four of the players or, or nervous energy or whatever you want to point to. Just curious as to how much we think that played into how the Flames came out and came out flying against Boston. Oh, I think it absolutely played into it because one team had way more energy than the other team last night. And that team won the hockey game by three goals. Uh, even though the Bruins were way ahead of the Flames in the standings, Calgary was a much, much, much better team than Boston on Tuesday night. And I've got to think that uh, when you get a guy who is as full of energy as Jacob Pelche back, that's going to give you a shot in the arm. And what we've learned about Andre Kuzmenko in his short time with the team is that uh, a lot like Pelche, this guy is just 
full of positivity. And I actually texted you on my drive home after the game last night, Pat, because everything's great for Andre Kuzmenko. I uh, talked about Jonathan Huberdeau and what a great player he is. Talked about the Flames' power play and how great it is. He's new, but in the one-game sample size that he has to work with, Andre Kuzmenko thinks everything's great in Calgary, and the Flames are going to the playoffs, as he said last night. So uh, I've got to think that uh, that brought some life to the dressing room as well. And listen, these guys know how hard Kevin Rooney and Jacob Peltier, who suffered very similar preseason shoulder injuries, worked to get back into the lineup. So uh, I think the guys probably rallied around them a little bit. And then even Braden Fahal, I really liked him in his Flames debut on Tuesday night, playing on the right side of the third pairing with Oliver Shillington. And we talked about how the Flames were able to use their fourth line, and they got some really good minutes from them last night. I would say the same thing about the third pairing. You know, Braden Pahal plays 12 minutes and three seconds in his Flames debut. I thought he played a simple game and a physical game, which was something that was good to see. And then Oliver Shillington, who's continuing to ramp up after missing almost two years, plays 14 minutes and 33 seconds. So, you know, they get 12 plus minutes from their third defense pairing as well. And boy, Shillington looked pretty slick last night, didn't he? So uh, I do think that it absolutely played a factor in that hockey game. The Flames were start or sharp for almost start to finish. The Bruins were flat from almost start to finish. They didn't have four guys coming back in the lineup. So uh, jumping the, the the conclusion that it absolutely played a role in what we saw uh, at TD Garden on Tuesday night. Yeah, I don't have an argument against the excitement level from those four players coming in. The thing that's really positive for me is Kuzmenko and Peltier together in the same locker room is just going to continue that excitement, whether it's a debut or not, based on the personalities. Obviously, uh, more familiar with Peltier and the energy that he brings, but seeing Kuzmenko Tuesday night and just seeing some of the media avails that he's done and, and hearing from Vancouver media, Vancouver fans, about how much he's loved for the energy that he brings, that is going to be potentially potentially a mainstay for the Calgary Flames for the balance of the season. And then you have Pahal and Rooney who are in a spot where they may be fighting for their NHL futures. Pahal was a waiver claim and Kevin Rooney only played 17 games last year. As you guys mentioned, this is his first game in the NHL since 2022. Pat, is that right in the ballpark yeah, December there? December So these yeah. guys are players that need to bring the energy, need to bring the enthusiasm and need to contribute in a positive way. So for me, yeah, as much as it is four guys being injected into the lineup, these are personalities and these are players in unique situations where they need to be sure that they're continually bringing that energy as well. I, I think there are two things that, that contributed to, you know, for, uh, on top of the fact the Flames played a really good game, but I think there are two things that, that really jumped off the page to me in terms of, you know, maybe some added jump and a little added motivation or spark or however you want to put it. And, and... I, it maybe won't be as palatable going forward and, and make as much of an impact going forward, but doesn't necessarily mean that both of these things wear off completely. But number one, yeah, I think having energy from guys like Pelche and Kuzmenko and and to have Pahal and Rooney and all these guys debut, and for two of them, is, as we mentioned, it's been a long road back and they worked their asses off to get here. And, and for two new guys, one guy who's trying to prove that Vancouver made a mistake, the other guy trying to prove that he belongs in the NHL. And, and as Braden Pahal told us on Monday's Flames Talk, you know, he knows he's going to get a look. 
He knows that by being claimed on waivers, I'm going to get a look. Mm -hmm. But now I've got to do something with it, and i got to prove that I deserve this look. Well, you have all those things factored into one, and yeah, I think it's going to give a team a lot of extra jump in energy. So I think they thrived off that and fed off that. But guys, I, I go back to something that Jonathan Huberto said in our postgame show on, on Tuesday night, and I just asked him about being shot out of a cannon, and he said, we know we're a good team. We know that we just made a trade and that people are, are looking at us a certain way. Well, we don't believe that inside that room. And and they're looking at us, yeah, they, we just traded away Elias Lindholm and Elias is no longer with us, but that doesn't mean that we're waving the white flag on the season. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're going to take a step back in terms of how competitive we believe we are. And this is me paraphrasing kind of what what I, I think the Flames are, are thinking right now after the trade. That was game one after the Elias Lindholm trade. And, and I think that that factored into the way they came out as well. And I think, you know, you've got an all-star break and we've seen the flames many times come out looking flat after the all-star break. And maybe we saw Boston come out looking flat after their all-star break. But I think that the infusion of new blood and the infusion of a little bit more, I don't know, um, prove, uh, prove you wrong type motivation I think that that kind of counteracted any rust that a team might have coming out of the break. I think they uh, and they use both very effectively against Boston. Yeah, and also keep in mind the Flames had to travel, and that's not an easy trip, Calgary to Boston, and they had guys coming from other places as well. So you know that uh, certainly uh, appeared to give the Bruins home ice advantage going into Tuesday's game, but uh, they weren't good. The Flames were great, and they won the hockey game as they deserved to, and. Uh, let me ask you guys a couple of questions. So would you agree that Tuesday's 4-1 win over the Bruins was, if not the most complete, one of the most complete games the team has played this season? Yeah, sure. I'll put it in the yeah. top two, top three for sure. And would you agree that there really weren't any passengers on Tuesday night? Yep. Yeah. And would you also agree that if that wasn't the best game that Jonathan Huberto has played as a member of, of the Flames, that it was certainly one of the best? Yeah. I'd, I'd say so, yeah. yeah. We spent a good chunk of time of the, the first half of this hour talking about Jonathan. Yeah, well, who made a season debut on Tuesday night? His little buddy, Jacob Pelche. So I'm not saying that Huberto played his best game or one of his best games as a member of the Flames just because Pelche came back, but clearly they've got a great relationship off the ice. I know they didn't play on the same line, so it wasn't about uh, their chemistry on the ice on Tuesday night, but I'm guessing that uh, Jonathan Huberdeau was pretty happy to see Jacob Pelletier make his long-awaited return to the lineup in that game against the Bruins. So maybe that uh, gave him a little bit of extra jump in his step because he certainly had uh, a lot of jump in his step on Tuesday night. I thought he was the best player on the ice for either team in that 4-1 win. Now they go into New Jersey and they need to uh, make sure that they can... Back it up. Uh, yeah, one game is great coming out of an all-star break with all the things we just talked about, but if they're going to want to stay in this thing, they're going to need to play more games of a similar blueprint. They won't always be as one-sided, but they need to play more games with a similar blueprint, which has not been something they've been able to do on a consistent basis enough this season. Uh, that is Thursday's game against the New Jersey Devils. Uh, for now, Mr. Wills, uh, have yourself a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you on Thursday, hey? You too, guys. And, uh, hey, this is a Flames team that tends to play up to their competition, which they did against the Bruins on Tuesday. So 
they can quit playing down to their competition, uh, they'll have a fighting chance to stay in the playoff race. We'll see what happens on Thursday against the Devils, guys. Thank you, Wellesie. Okay, thanks, guys. Derek Wells, Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. As we start to wrap up this hour on Flames Talk, thanks to uh, Cam and Shan, our producers this hour as well. And that has been your Daily Flames Roundtable. It's brought to you, as always, by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. A famous quote from Norman Vincent Peale, all successful people have a goal. No one can get anywhere unless they know where they want to go and what they want to do. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills.ca.